Welcome to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast. Many thanks for joining us on the Journal of Biophilic Design today. We're really excited to be joined by Robert Bedner, who recently presented at uh, Future Plymouth 2030, and also with Dusty Gedge at uh, Greater Green event, which he's going to talk about in a bit. I'm just going to touch on. But Rob, Robert's uh, founder of Cura Design. Um, it's an architectural practice which designs with sustainability at the forefront of everything they do. Um, Cura Design have been in practice for over 14 years and completed over 150 projects um, across the southwest of the UK, London, abroad. Um, and they provide architectural design and research services for residential, commercial, healthcare, as well as cultural projects. Um, and it's all to do with our relationship with nature as the core design value. Um, it's also the driver and generator for creating a new type of built environment. Um, Robert, many, many thanks for joining us today. Yes, it's, it's, it's my pleasure. It's, and uh, what a great series uh, to, to be part of. Oh, bless you. And, Thank um, you. So Thanks so much. Um, I wonder if, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? I mean, I've just touched on something of what you do, but um, I've also noticed you're a chartered architectural technologist, which I think is yeah. a brilliant title. So can you, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and a, and a bit about what that is, please? Okay. Um, I, I think what, what, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll just... Um, I'll backpedal a, a little bit. Um, you know, basically, uh, uh, from the states, um, as as a kid, I was always into uh, making places and and nature um, camping and and things like that. Yeah. Um, when I, so I was interested in in architecture from a, an early age, and um, uh, when I was at architecture school uh, in St. Louis, um, I became a little bit disillusioned, um, and I and I and I um, I read a book by a uh, an architect named Sfera Fenn uh, called The Thought of Construction. Hmm. And um, Fenn was, uh, was a, a great architect in, in, uh, based in Norway um, and ended up getting the Pritzker Prize um, for architecture. And um, when I read his book, I, I, I remembered that Jorn Utzen had, had uh, uh, worked his way across um, on, a, on, a, uh, on a ship uh, from uh, Denmark to work for Frank Lloyd Wright. So I did the same thing in, re in reverse, basically. I worked my way on an oil tanker uh, from the States over to Norway uh, to knock on, on Svera Fenn's door um, after I read his book. And um, so I, I was really lucky he hired me. And it was just the two of us in his office for almost a year. Um, and then I went on a, um, a study trip that he had done with Jorn Utsen. Uh, down to Morocco, so I, I took the um, the train, you know, the interrail at the time, um, all the way from Oslo uh, down to uh, to the Atlas and any Atlas Mountains in um, in Morocco to look at the architecture down there that had inspired Fenn when he was about my age, um, and um, yeah, so so basically um, did this 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 whole sort of trip with. With, with Fenn and everything. Um, then I was lucky enough to uh, work for Renzo Piano in Paris um, oh. for uh, a good sort of six months um, on uh, a, a fantastic project in Italy, which was the Finispol uh, Sistiana uh, project with Peter Rice, um, who did this incredible tent structure um, covering a um, abandoned quarry on, 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 the, on the, the water there. 
Um, and then after that, I ended up in New York City uh, working with storefront for art and architecture with uh, Kiln Park and, and Shrin Nishat at the time. And I was lucky because when I was there, I, I got to work uh, with Vito Acconci and Stephen Hull on the new facade. Um, so so those, those sort of three things um, led me um, uh, to sort of think about architecture in different ways. Yeah. And, and um, after that, I, I, was, uh, I worked with Tom Hennis um, at Think Design, um, who uh, they just finished the, um, the memorial for the, um, uh, for everything, you know, for, for the 9-11. The, um, yeah. Um, so, so they do a lot of um, exhibit designing and, and a very creative office. And then I found myself back in Plymouth and um, um, I was uh, teaching a little bit at the, at the University of Plymouth and they, there, there was a possibility of, of writing a book. And um, I had kept notes. Well, I kept a, a huge journal when I was working for Fenn in, in Norway, a 600 page journal of, of okay. what it was like working for this great architect. Yeah. And um, so I wanted to use all that material and, and, and write a book and, and um, so the, the university was gonna help with that. And I was gonna call the book uh, Birthright. And, um, <laughs> and before um, I, I, I you know, chose that title, I thought, well, I better go online and, and, and make sure that nobody else has done a book called Birthright. And sure enough, Stephen Killer. Kill it. <laughs> <laughs> the year before had written this book called Birthright. Um, and not only had he, you know, used the title, but it was basically whatever, you know, very close to um, where, you know, my thoughts had come to um, yeah. with architecture yeah. and the way that architecture can, you know, engage with nature. Um, and, 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 and really from, from that point forward, it's, it's about, for me, it's been about trying to find a voice, an architectural voice. Um, with uh, the kind of design that I'm doing and, and, and with uh, the way that it engages with, with nature. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, I, when I came back here, um, uh, I went through the process of becoming a chartered architectural technologist uh, versus um, going, uh, working as an, as, as an architect and it just, Basically, I, I got pushed into that direction by the way the system works here. Okay. Um, so, um, uh, it, a charter technologist is basically um, a person who's into the, the technology of how a building is, is, is put together. Okay. Um, so, so, it's the technical aspect of, of, okay. of architecture. And um, there are some um, technologists that are very, very good at designing buildings and and some that that are better at detailing buildings and, and it's a, it's a little bit like um there's some architects that are that are you know very esoteric and, and very sort of um airy fairy and then okay. there's other people that are that are more hands-on and, and, yeah. and more detail-oriented and so you know um so that that's basically how um i i came about to have a qualification mm -hmm. um and in in the industry yeah. And um, that led to basically um, doing my New Street project, 
uh, which which got some awards uh, from the uh, the Institute of Architectural Technology. It got into brand designs. I got some um, uh, attention also with I got an award from um, the Abercrombie Award here in Plymouth, which they they only do every four years. Uh, they 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 hand out some awards for the architecture in the city. Now, I've been lucky to get that three times, and so I I, I also got the Abercrombie for the uh, children's theater that I did here, and as well the Union Corner uh, Community Center. Um, so um, and all of that is again it's been steadily sort of developing the the biophilic um, side of things. Yeah. Um, so. Um, uh, should, should I should I keep going on about this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I just I, I, actually, I just wanted to touch on it. Well, there's so many things that I could just we could just talk about just what you just spoke about actually for like the whole yeah for an hour easy yeah um, <laughs> really um you mentioned you went to Morocco I mean I said it was such a lovely thing that you kind of did that in reverse and you went on on the tanker to him you know and you kind of and then you went down to Morocco and then you started with Renzo piano I mean what what an amazing thing and then off to New York with and, and then you know the sort of just I mean fantastic absolutely and, and then the awards that you've won is, is is wonderful I went to Morocco and I went to the Atlas Mountains as well and there was something about the the earth there and the indigenous or not I can't you can't say that but you know the um the local building the local methodology of way of building and we, we went inside one of the the houses and we had tea we had mint tea with them and that you know actually with the, the Bedouin and just it was it was wonderful I mean just to experience a, a cool house in that heat um you know and it was sheltered from the the wind and the way it was designed um but using local local earth and um yeah, yeah like Fen, Fen wrote a beautiful it's it's on you can pro probably find it online um a beautiful essay about when he went down there as a student uh, with your Knudsen they went down together um, but the, what they don't talk about is is they 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 stayed with the military on military bases playing tennis and stuff. You know, I, I didn't do that. I I um, I had a backpack and you know <laughs> got on buses and hitchhiked. But um, you know, basically, um, he said some really beautiful things and and like um, you know uh, the, the architecture there. When you when you go back, it's like going back in time. It's yeah. they had they. The, the way they, they built the mountain houses mm. hasn't changed in 2000 years. Mm. So if you want to look at architecture from a primitive, you know, like where did it all start? Mm. Uh, that's where he got his, his inspiration. And it's just, and that ultimately that came from Corbusier because Corbusier went down there. So oh. um, with his mosaic um, architecture. Um, okay. So he was sort of following Corbusier and then I was sort of following uh, him and Jorn Knudsen. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, just, you know, stories about they would use spit to, um, instead of a, a plumb bob, you know, to, to make sure things are straight. And um, that, you know, in Morocco, he, he talked about the fact that, you know, if there wasn't a bridge, you just had to wait for the water to recede. And, and then that's when you would, you know, cross, cross the river. Um, and, um, you know, beautiful, really poetic ways of thinking about what life is all about. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And working so, with nature, isn't it? It's working with the rhythms of nature. Exactly. Yeah, oh, the rhythms. That's, you know, it, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Not fighting it. Not not fighting it, but using it. You know, and, and living with it, isn't it? Really, are respecting and honouring 
the the energy and the movements and the power of nature and it was there first so we should we should be building with that sensitivity um i mean i, I would love to talk to you about the renzo piano um thing and i, I might i think i'm gonna have to get you back on to talk about that and different other projects and textures oh, that's okay. and, and fractals <laughs> and all that malarkey which is all kind of all in all that sort of thing oh it's beautiful i went to the thing at the um royal academy the renzo piano um th and it was just I, I could have spent hours just well I did spend actually <laughs> um quite too long on the model um of the city and and stuff and it was just yeah absolutely stunning um but I just coming back to you um okay. your your journey into sort of biophilic design um you've you've touched on all these different aspects um I mean was there was there like a sort of a revelation I mean you mentioned the Kellett book was that was that kind of like the one of the things like oh no, 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 or it, it all sort of um, dovetailed, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's sort of dovetailed from um, Stephen Killard's book because I've always, up to that point, I've been struggling to find words when people uh, try and get you to talk about, oh, what kind of design do you do? You know, yeah. what, what do you think architecture is all about? Or um, how did you come up with this design? It's, it's, you've got to suddenly come up with a language and a way of talking about buildings. Um, and what struck me about um, a birthright, you know, the book was, okay, here was somebody who's really um, sort of saying um, it's about nature. Um, it, it's, it's, it's about um, uh, love of nature and the way that the, the, the building relates to the land and the sky. It's, and it's really the same thing that Sarah Fenn was talking about. If you read the thought of construction, it's 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 a very although his is a little bit more esoteric, a little bit more poetic. Um, but they're really talking in my mind. They're 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 talking about the same thing, and and it's also like Frank Lloyd Wright. Um, it's it's again it's the same kind of um, language and and um, and feeling about um, the 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 way construction can can relate to to nature. Yeah. Um, so, so you know that that basically reading that book made made a difference. Um, probably not quite as much as the thought of construction. I think the thought of construction was really close to my heart, but um, it it was just sort of one more step of towards you know that direction. And then we were all hit with um, uh, all of the um, uh, loss of biodiversity and the extinction rebellion and, and, and all of this kind of stuff. Trying to um, really look at architecture, uh, you know, with sort of fresh eyes and, 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 and again, um, just, it's just sort of part of this, um, this journey that I've, I've been, been, been going on. Um, so, um, uh, there's it basically it's like you have um with with martin heidegger um you know uh the philosopher uh he he basically uh was uh if you read the thought of construction they talk about martin heidegger and and what, what martin heidegger said and this was just after world war ii was that um it was the reduction of the natural world to uh, resources uh which was the crisis of our of our time and because of of the way people were thinking of nature as a resource, yeah. um, you would have the, the loss of the sacred, the violation of nature, the destruction of, of the earth. Um, so that all started just after World War II. Um, and at the same time, Finn was, was talking about um, 
the most basic thing you can do as an architect is to go on a walk in the woods and, and the way that the, your footsteps crush the, the, the grass and make a mark in the landscape is sort of the most elemental way that an architect um, expresses themselves. You know, and so it's it's sort of this violence against nature, and in, in in a way that you you've got to come to come to terms with. Um, so so that that all sort of goes into the that all I think you know goes goes into the mix of um, just okay, you know how how are we going to design this place? How are we not going to make things worse? How are we going to make things better? And and with you know biophilic design. Um, you can actually enhance and protect nature while you're um, doing the building. And of course, you've got all of the well-being, um, all of the, uh, the wellness that's connected with, the more that we're connected with nature, it's better for our bodies, it's better for our spirits. It's, 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 it's this whole sort of um, way of, of thinking about what's life all about to begin with. Um, yeah. So... Um, yeah. Does that answer the question? <laughs> well, well, yeah, it really, it really does. I mean, you, you know, obviously Mike and Hardiger, and you, you, people forget. I mean, it's like World War Two. I mean, that's it's a long time ago, <laughs> and we're still, yeah. you know, we're still screwing it up. Um, I mean, this is what's really exciting, I think, about biophilic design being such a strong movement across so many different disciplines. Um, you know, as it was saying earlier, you know, but we're all pulling together, we're all doing what we can do. And I think, you know, architecture plays such a key role in, in our built environment, in our everyday lives, whether that's, you know, designing a hospital, whether it's designing a school, whether it's a home, whether it's a shed, you know, we all have a choice and, and, and bridges and, and all sorts of things. We have a choice about how we can, um, how we can design. And, and you, you just mentioned, you know, how are we going to make things better as an architect? As somebody who's creating things, you know, you're thinking about the design, you're thinking about the aesthetics, you're thinking about the human-centered approach, you're thinking about all these things, the users, the, the the movement, all this, all these, all these different elements that you need to know about. But you've just made a, such a thing there. How are we going to make things better? And you have a, you have a uh, an opportunity to do that. And I I, I just want to say you've you've your company is called Cura Design. Yeah. And, and can you tell us why you called it Cura Design? Um. Well, basically, the, the, the word cura, um, it, it, it has to do with, um, it's uh, sort of a Spanish-Portuguese word, and, and, and it has to do with becoming sound, healthy, yeah. uh, becoming sound and healthy again. Mm -hmm. So um, that's this idea that it's almost like going into a brownfield site and, and saying, okay, you know, how are we going to make this, this place sound and healthy again? Um, so it's this idea of uh, reconnecting with nature to protect and enhance nature, and, and also uh, curing ourselves, our, our ways of thinking and our, and our ways of, of you know, dealing with um, being alive on, on, on the earth. Um, and then, um, so the, 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 and then probably as a footnote, if I'm to be really honest, um, part of it has to do with um, uh, I was involved a little bit with with plant medicine, and um, cura is 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 something that um, the the word uh, cura comes comes up um, in the uh, in the sort of plant medicine uh, ceremonies, the plant medicine world, um, and it's it's very uh, 
I find that the, 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 there's a, there's a, there's a consistent language um, between that world and, and, and with biophilic design, they're, they're really talking about the same things. It's, it's not rocket science. Um, it, it really is just um, how do we relate to our surroundings? Mm -hmm. You know, how, how do we relate to nature, the, the sky, the earth, the water? Um, are, are, are these things that we, we, we take for granted or, or, or are they, is there something more to them? You know, are you, you know, uh, it also has to do with this idea of, um, well, I mean, I'll digress a little bit. Uh, on my Twitter account, um, George Mombiot, it sort of had this, this thing where, where he, um, he said he was sort of fed up and he wrote this very long thread about everything that's that's wrong with the world and just giving up. I mean, you know, just sort of totally, you know, I'm, I'm fed up with it basically, you know, as, as the great environmentalist that he is. And um, and he said, if anybody has any ideas about what we should be doing, I'd be love to know because I've, I've had it <laughs> type of thing. And um, and 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 what I what I responded to, and it got a, a lot of um, positive, <laughs> a lot of likes. What I what I said is is um, if people can stop thinking of the world as a resource, and 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 think of it more as uh, caretaking, shepherding, taking care of the world, um, and gratitude, and and just having valuing nature and valuing the sky valuing the sun valuing the trees and the birds these aren't just things that you you, you sell these, these 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 have a deeper connection to what makes us human to why we're here um, if if people can get more um, see the world more like that then the rest will follow you know the the, the, the we'll start taking care of the, of the earth basically yeah. and um so, so that got that got an awful lot of yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah that's that's it that's the answer yeah <laughs> but I mean how to, how you actually come about to do that is 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 you know it's 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 walking the walk versus sort of talking the talk is, um, and, that's, and obviously that's where biophilic design comes in isn't it that's why yeah. you know, designing biophilically is really important I mean maybe we could um you know, sort of touch on why you consider, because I know you're obviously you're part of the, um, you know, the sort of future Plymouth, you're involved in that, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're, you're speaking at the different events and things. Um, but why do you think it's, I mean, obviously it's, it's really obvious, uh, but um, why do you think, just to hear your, um, your passion really about this, you know, why do you think it's important for cities to consider um, designing biophilically now more than ever? I mean, you've you've touched it, on it. Then. I mean, it, it, it's just the future of, of urban design, and and it's 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 um, being seen all around the world. If you look at um, you know Singapore, if you look at the, the projects that Stefano Boeri is doing in uh, Genoa and Cancun, um, it's it's all about the the one consistent thread, um, other than um, the, the carbon issues, is is bringing uh, nature. Uh, back into the urban environment, um, and yeah. for all of the the reasons that we're really you know that, that we're talking about is it's good for biodiversity and it's healthy for people. Mm -hmm. um, just just to do simple things like green roofs, uh, you know, which um, Dusty Gedge was 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 talking about. Um, 
it just it, it does so much for the the wildlife. It does so much towards bringing the temperature down um, in the in the, in the middle of cities. Um, it does so much towards insulating the roof. Um, they're even doing this in New York City. Uh, you know, at the Javits Center, um, they put a green roof. And and when they do things in New York, it's not just um, greenwash. They only do a multi-million pound green roof because it's saving them money. You know, and and it was it's not a PR exercise or anything else. It's actually it's good for the environment. It's good for the building, and and people like being up there. Yeah. You know, so it's it's like a no brainer, really. Um, yeah. Yeah. From from you know from from that point of view, um, yeah. and Plymouth is ideal for it because it's it was all designed after the uh, uh, World War II, mm -hmm. and after World War II, what the Germans didn't blow up, the developers tried to flatten most of <laughs> most of Plymouth. They really had to fight to hold up hold uh, to to keep the Barbican, which is sort of the um, the real historic center of the of the city, but. Um, Anyway, when, when they did the Abercrombie plan and, and they built all of these fantastic 1950s buildings, um, uh, that's the, the usual thing happened. They ran out of money. Um, and so um, a lot of the buildings, they, they just built the facades. And it's a little bit like if you go behind the buildings in Plymouth on the major streets, you'll see that they all have this sort of ziggurat where they, they go down. So they built a facade and then it's, it's literally just a wall. And then it goes out one floor and then out another floor and sawtooths out into a parking lot in the back. Um, and, and so basically, um, uh, because they did things like that, they were always intending to continue building behind the buildings and they put big pieces of steel and it's all flat roofs. So um, it's ideal for green roofs. It's ideal for you know bringing the that back into the city, mm. and Plymouth is just another one of these parts of you know um, it's a it's a seaside town really um, that um, uh, if you go to Plymouth you know after six o'clock it is completely dead. I mean it's 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 like St. Louis where where I went to university. It's it's um, it's sort of a, a commuter uh, thing, you know, where people come into work and then they and their students are really the, the life of the town after dark. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the other thing that's happened is all of the first floor elements of, of, of the, the buildings here are used as storage, you know? So if you did put green roofs on, you could convert those first floors into apartments and then you could have allotments in all of the parking lots they've put behind these buildings could be amazing. It could be really, really good. So that, that's that's what I've been trying to to, to push with yeah. the powers that be here. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you're, you're making inroads, you know, just keep banging the drum and, you know, and I that's what a lovely concept that, like you're saying, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's issues as well with housing, affordable housing, you know, how you fit, how you fit so many people into a city and all this sort of thing. Like you're saying, you know, being able to create a beautiful green roof will entice people to come into the cities and live in the cities, which will then bring life into the cities and community and then safety and yeah. security and all this stuff, you know, and all the magic happens, doesn't it? When people talk to each other and then ideas happen.
happen and yeah you know and and you know it's just brilliant i mean you know having having honeybees or whatever else that you could put on the top there as well you get your fresh honey you know with your with your tea in the morning it's like it's all good it's a win-win yeah. it's certainly a win-win <laughs> um, it's, it's happening in, in paris and new york um yeah. these these farms that are happening in the cities where they're, yeah. they're you know are doing high-rise farms and they're doing farms in paris they're looking at doing one uh, underground okay. um and in you know, so the restaurants when you have your salad it literally is you know <laughs> in the same same place yeah and um yeah it's 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 sort of like we keep saying it's it's a win-win for everybody absolutely do you have any uh, transformations particularly that you've seen like a case study or something have you got have you sort of one that you'd like to share anyone any particular one that really sort of stands out to you that's like ooh, that was quite cool um i i mean as far as biophilic design goes, I, I, I think that the, the hospital in Singapore um, mm -hmm. really just, just says it all. Um, the, the, the original sort of, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it properly, but it's, it's, it's the original um, biophilic hospital. I think it's Ken Huat, something like that. Okay. Um, and, and to me, the way that, that they, they went in there um, uh, very consciously um, the planting gardens and, and and gardens are the community comes in to, to do these um, gardens and then the food goes to the people that are in the hospital and and the, um, the, the 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 beds are put next to the windows which are put next to all the plants and their their healing rates are they're much much higher than normal hospitals it's just common sense that if you're in a hospital you're eating fresh food from a garden that's being made you know uh, but by the local community and, and your, your bed is next to a garden and you're looking out the window at the sun and the sky and these plants and trees and they've increased all of the, uh, the bird populations, they've increased the fish populations, um, all on the hospital grounds and the, the, you know, people are coming in from the community to be part of all of this. Of course, it's like all this life, you know, coming into this, this place where there's all people and, and it's making them heal faster. Of course, it's gonna make them heal faster. I mean, it's like, you know, go to the Plymouth, uh, the Dareford Hospital here in Plymouth, it looks like a sausage factory. <laughs> I mean, it's just horrible. It's like the last place you'd, you'd want to give birth to something or the last place you'd wanna be ill or, you know, try and recover from something because it, it's just light wells that, you know, yeah. nothing is living in. You know, yeah. so it's it's just um, uh, it's definitely to me that all of that you know says so much about biophilic design, yeah. Um, yeah. and you've got people like the Terrapin Green um, practice in uh, west coast of the United States. And they're doing loads and loads of studies, you know, showing how um, if you design this way, it's better for the environment, it's better for the people, it's. You know, um, it's it's just again, it's 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 not rocket science. It's it's yeah. really common sense. But because we're also connected to our computers, I was in another talk and was with Dusty and um, this far away, so close thing where um, uh, nature itself, um, we're so close to it. It's just on the other side of this window. Um, uh, we're, it's literally just on the other side of a piece of glass, so it's really, really close. But we're so inside our computers um, 
it's really, really far away, you know? So some people will just be on this box, this plastic box for 80, 90% of their life. They'll go into a box and they'll stare into a box. And what's on the other side of the, of the window is, is it becomes unreal basically. Yeah. Um, and they get ill, you know, and, and you know, so, so that's yeah. <laughs> obvious. And, and, you know, the Stephen Killer stuff as well, you know, it's these huge panning shots of, uh, from his, the, the film that they did um, about biophilic architecture, the life, uh, uh, life of, ar of, of architecture. Um, you know, and you see these panoramic shots of New York City where it's, it's um, uh, glass box after glass box after glass box with no ventilation that's natural. Um, you can you can understand what you know how things need to change um yeah. so um anyway i'm going yeah. off <laughs> no it's it's, it's it's but it's you know you're completely right i mean i mean that's what's why i said what i that's why i'm doing what i'm doing is because i i, I witnessed the difference that even a, a printed view of nature which was printed on this aluminium stuff you know chemical resistance so i knew i could take it into an isolation unit um but i saw you know i saw firsthand that the view of beautiful trees another one of waterscape you know basically helped my mother get better you know her blood pressure came down all this sort of stuff you know it was like yeah. hang on a minute there's something there's definitely something in this and i went off and read Ulrich's study and then i went off and done everything else and that's why i set this up but i mean i i, I do have to look at this um hospital in singapore someone else mentioned about it and i haven't i haven't looked at it yet so i'm gonna have to go away and google it and, and find the link um but um yeah just like you're saying i mean to be surrounded if you're sick to be surrounded by energy and life and positivity. I mean, we all we all know that what we see affects how how we are. You know, if you're if you're surrounded by negative things and drab things, we know we we've had studies on it. We know that it affects our brains and brings us down. You know, you're surrounded by positivity and life and energy, and it's just yeah. gonna it's gonna infect us in a good way. So um, you know, and fresh food. I mean, the healing power of food. I mean, I'm I'm really interested in like you know you know certain i mean i, I drive i drive my, my partner mad because i'm like oh you know that's got a little bit of calcium in it and that's got a bit you know a nut has got you know this <laughs> bit of protein this got this and it's got vitamin a and blah blah blah. i'm sure it's driving everyone nuts but anyway <laughs> it is what it is um but i think there's just so much more that we we you know we were you know i mean you know dr sally augustine you know we were brought up on lives on the plains and we haven't really changed that much we were born to be in nature we were we're born to be part of it we were born yeah and we shouldn't we shut ourselves away from it we get sick you know so I think what you're doing, um, Robert, is just absolutely wonderful because you're you're passionate about what you're doing. You're speaking about it. You're designing better places and better spaces for people. Um, I think I think it's really wonderful. And your backstory as well, where you've come from and where you're going to as well. And 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 please write that book anyway. I'm just going to say that. I've got to just write that book because I want to know. I want to I want to read these 700 pages of your journal. Um, I mean, what do you think for? I mean, if if, if you know, like if cities, you know, city planners or council people or construction or anybody in manufacturing, whatever. Go, well, you know, what four things um, should cities be doing to bring you know sort of nature and biophilic design into their strategy? You know, which would have the biggest impact on on sort of people, place, and the environment. What, what do you think? They, you know, for for you know, possible things. Could yeah, be? I, I, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I think I'm struggle with this a little bit, but but basically, um, you know, what we were saying before, which was um, trying to get people. Buckminster Fuller, um, what he what he did, and it was um, 
he did a big study on, on the Earth, and he called the Earth a spaceship Earth. Um, and um, they were all on this big spaceship, and it's and and he was very much an engineer, and he was sort of like, okay, you know, if you think of it as a spaceship, is there are there enough resources here for everybody? Is there is there enough here for everybody? And he proved that there is enough water, there's enough food, there's there is enough everything, um, and 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 he proved that, um, you know, in 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 his book, um, and and so, you know, if 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 we can just sort of work with what we've got and 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 a caretaking uh, uh gratitude way for, for nature that i think with um the four things that that's got to be sort of the the basic thing it's like if if the people in the um the, in the um in the cities can can really if if somehow we can get that message across that's 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 the sort of the baseline the other thing is the biophilic cities network, which which is amazing, um, and um, was started in the United States. I think they've got sixty or eighty cities on it um, already. Um, you're trying to get Plymouth on on the the biophilic um, uh, cities network um, because they can learn from other coastal cities about how they're dealing with the loss of the biodiversity, how they're dealing with flooding, how they're dealing with all of these issues. Um, and um, when 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 cities invest in biophilic design, um, it, they're they're healthier. The education is better. They're happier. Um, it's it's when you when you bring nature back into the city, it's it's just it's it's a win win for you know for 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 cities. Um, so the biophilic cities network would be the second thing. Uh, third thing would be green roofs. Um, because green roofs are, are, are just sort of a, a really basic uh, thing that most cities can, can do relatively um, in a cost-effective way mm -hmm. uh, to bring, uh, they, they help with the biodiversity and they, they help with um, the, the cooling of the, um, of, the, of the building itself and also the, the cooling of the city itself during the, the, the summertime. Um, and they make really great places as well for, for people to hang out um, at the top of the building um, where all the views are. Um, and then I think the, the other um, thing, which um, I, I put down in one of the, my talks uh, recently, which was um, I think that everybody involved in, in uh, design and construction, everybody that's, that's um, that's because um, I mean nowadays you've you've got um, the self builders that are building their own houses, um, you've you've got the the planners that are building things, you've got structural engineers that are building things. Yeah. I mean you've got TV people that are building. Everybody's building stuff in 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 the landscape and in nature. Um, but what what I'm trying to get across is is this idea that. Um, what happened uh, recently with me is I got a, a, a call from somebody who had bought an island in the Bahamas, a virgin island in the Bahamas, and wanted to put 2,000 houses on this island in the Bahamas, make them biophilic. And um, um, and he sent me these this photo of this of this island, and it, it's like a beautiful tropical island, untouched, with an airstrip on it. <laughs> and um, 
and the really you know good person I'm, I'm don't take anything negative from this but but what he said in in, in one of his communications was um this is the canvas that we have to work on you know the, the, this is the um it's an untouched you know it's a piece of uh, a blank sheet of paper and i think this blank sheet of paper approach is 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 i had that when i was in architecture school you know they, they give you a 40-story building to do or a museum or a university building or you know some huge project blank piece of paper and design a building you know no it's it's not a blank piece of paper that's a place somewhere there are birds there there are things living in the soil there are there's a sky there's a sun that comes up and goes down there's you know all of this kind of stuff and and you know in architecture school, you do you do talk about the site and you do learn about the sun, but um, the this this idea of um, that I really do think things things have to stop is when you go into somebody's office and they want you to design a house and there's no site plan and there's no trees and if there are trees, they're all we'll just get rid of those. No thought about the birds. No thought about what's connected with the trees. If you look at an oak tree, it's got like three thousand different types of life forms that are clinging to that oak tree. Um, so that whole way of of designing has it's got to go. It's it's just it's got to yeah. completely go. This yeah. idea that um, uh, when you have a site, it's just a blank piece of paper. It's not a blank piece of paper. It's something that's alive and it's got meaning to nature there and it should have meaning to you as a, as, as a person as, yeah. as well so yeah um so that that that's my that's my fourth thing yeah I, it's, it's really powerful like you're saying you know it's not a blank canvas it's not a blank piece of paper there is a there's a whole life there. there's a whole life that's teeming in any environment where you put it even if they're little bugs on the you know on the concrete or something even you know but you're starting somewhere from scratch and you've got you've got trees you plant around them you know or or use them or move them or don't know just incorporate that in the building you know why not why not create something that's more organic and you know might and it doesn't necessarily have to cost more if you're thinking cleverly with all the construction work and things that we can do and the materials that we have access to and the CAD drawings yeah. and all that sort of pre-planning stuff that we've we can we can be so clever now um before we even put a spade in the ground you know we can you can do so we can do so much um I mean from that point of view actually maybe we could just talk I mean there's a planning reform that's going to come up in the UK um, so listeners, I don't know if you know this um, and um, whether it's whether it's what well, I don't know what, what it's going to what the impact's going to be. But um, I really hope I mean, my, my thing is that I hope that every kind of planner I've just I've always had this. I've had like many arguments with different town planners and people who are in surveying and just about how we how the from a town planning point of view, the actual planning department should be more um, emotionally involved i think actually to in order to protect the world that's around them i mean sometimes people sometimes the planners don't come from the area so for them it is just a box ticking environment you know thing and it's um but you know there's ancient woodland and you know hedgerows and the wildlife corridors that we need to get allow animals to you know run between the other even yeah. like creating you know stupid thing like people say you know make sure there's a little hole in your vent so the hedgehogs can you know nip between and get, get back to their home you know and don't don't block it off just stuff like that you know just yeah on a bigger scale we should be doing that in cities we should be creating that so um do you think this new planning uh, reform is going to be helping our planet <laughs> I, I think it's it's a positive thing and and there's a place for for bifolic design there 
Um, there's also a, a place with um, uh, the proper way to develop a greenbelt land so that, you know, if, if, if people are trying to develop greenbelt land, there's, there is a way to, to still build buildings um, that um, it, it, where you can protect nature and enhance nature. And um, if you look at the green plot ratio, uh, the, the green plot ratio is, is uh, for instance, um, there's, a, there's a hotel in, I think it's Singapore, um, called Okasia, and, um, or Okasia, I'm not, I don't know how to pronounce that one either. Um, and, but basically it's a multi-story hotel and they've, they've basically covered it in, in plants. And you can think whatever you like about the design, but the fact of the matter is they, they took a brownfield site and they increased the, um, the animal and plant life by over a thousand percent. And, and so um, you can be at your, on, on the 20th floor of your, in your hotel room. And, you know, people are talking about squirrels walking by, um, you know, the, the, the balcony and the window yeah. and birds and, yeah. and all of this kind of thing. Um, and and the, the reality of it is it's taken a, a brownfield site and it's turned it into a vertical forest. Mm. And um, uh, I'm, I'm sure that some people are gonna say, oh, that's greenwashing or it's not really a forest, but it is bringing life into the city and it's, and it's, it's doing positive things where before there was just concrete there. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, Stefano Boeri is doing doing this all over the world. He's he's got projects all over the world with the with the high rises and the trees and the buildings and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and he's doing it at cost, you know. So there, there's one of them that's in Milan, and right across the street is is a, um, a social housing project, and they both cost the, the same. They were both um, the same cost to build, and the rent is the same. So the people that are paying the rent in the social housing that could be just as easily living in the, the tree covered Stefano Boeri um, you know, building, it is doable. All of this stuff is, is, is doable. People always sort of scoff at it, especially architects. Um, but uh, you know, it, it, the, the, I think that the main thing is, is, is we got to fight the good fight of, of, of trying to um, uh, protect and, and enhance nature where we can. And, you know, sure, uh, you, there, there's, a, there's a whole group of people which are sort of saying it's too late, we've passed the tipping point, you know, what's, you know, what, what's, what's, what's the point of it all. Yeah. But um, I, I, I believe also like in the Half Earth Project, uh, which, um, you know, uh, um, where they're trying to basically put aside areas of, of, of the earth to, to maintain the biodiversity and everything. And that's that's really the fight worth fighting for, and to try and you know contribute to all of that. Um, I, I think is 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 the way forward for for architecture, and it's that architecture is really it's you know, especially with my background with with fan and and, and piano and people like that. Um, um, there's it, it's it's funny because with biophilic architecture. Um, you might be achieving, um, you know, uh, a, a thousand percent, um, <laughs> a thousand percent on, on your green plot ratio, right? But if you've done a really bad building architecturally, um, it's going to get end up being torn down because nobody's going to be there. Um, so um, it isn't the architecture is still really really important. 
Um, and it's sort of like passive house. You know, I have friends that do passive house. If 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 the passive house isn't well designed, I'm sorry, it's it's nobody's gonna want to use it. No, it's it's gonna be torn down. Mm -hmm. Um and um it's it's sort of the same thing. It's it's just because it's biophilic doesn't mean it's good <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and you know, just the same thing with passive house or even a hemp building or you know, uh whatever you want to talk about, there's it still needs to be well designed. Yeah. Um, and uh, sometimes people for, they forget that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you say you still need you still need the designer eye. You still need all these things to pull together to create things of beauty. But, yeah. You know, it's all the symbi symbiotic relationship that we have with life and living and nature and and everything else. But yeah, you're right. To be able to still still be able to design properly and beautifully and aesthetically um, is yeah. also fundamental to creating better environments, isn't it? Yeah, and I think I, I do think that the, the work that's happening in, um, in Singapore and in, there's, there's some practices in Vietnam as well that are doing spectacular um, architecture that is, you know, combining the two things and um, their engineers like TransSolar um, is an engineering practice um, in Germany fantastic fantastic work where they're doing passive ventilation and, and it's 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 in, they're doing these these green uh designs uh, in conjunction with offices like stefano boeri um and um if you go to the transolar website it's 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 amazing what the this the the biophilic work that they're doing and also the um like the just the the way that they're they're limiting carbon mm -hmm. and um in uh in the whole the way they're thinking about the whole the whole process mm -hmm. so there, there are people out there doing just amazing amazing really big projects which are changing the world you know so yeah wonderful is there anything else you'd like to add um i know you're going to be and i think you should you should be giving yourself a plug because you're going to be at future build at excel um uh, March between the 1st and the 3rd of March and you're going to be on stand B78 as we said yes B for yeah. biophilic so B yeah. B78 um yeah yeah that, that's I'll, I'll be at the at the uh, future build uh, show at the Excel Center and and happy to speak with anybody who who uh, wants to talk about biophilic design or, or wants to talk about a project that they have in mind um, yeah, we, we, we look at everything from um, community projects with absolutely no budget, literally uh, done one with a zero budget, um, to, to, you know, bigger, uh, much bigger things that have <laughs> really bigger budgets. Um, and um, I'm going to be trying on, my, on the Cura website uh, to put together more of a, a resources uh, a package. Um, and... Uh, uh, which which will help people with with sort of um, the architecture side of things, lovely, um, and biophilic design, yeah, um, and um, uh, I think that's yeah yeah I I I just I th I think that's that's about it. Yeah. Um, lovely. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, is, is, if, there's, is, if there's anything else you, you want to say, or because I want to ask you that fi my final magic question that I ask everybody. So speak now before I even before I launch into this, because you know. 
okay. <laughs> I was going to say forever hold your peace, but now I'm going to get you back on. So, <laughs> so um, anything else you'd like to add or shall I ask you that last question? Yeah, ask me the last question, I think. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then. Well, regular listeners to the podcast will know that I ask everybody on these podcasts, if you could paint the world with a magic brush of biophilia, what would it look like? Um, I have to think about that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no pressure. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that if uh, the, the cities would, would, would have uh, a more nature, uh, more nature happening in the in the cities, um, and then um, uh, yeah, the the other thing is 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 just a world in general where um, people don't 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 think of, of nature as a resource. Um, you know, where where um, uh, in their daily sort of daily life, their day to day life. Um, they're they're um, engaged with with uh, the natural world, and and um, in, in in a way, it's sort of like fighting this this plastic box that we're all sort of staring into. <laughs> and so it it would be a world where um, uh, we're, we're we're outside and we're engaged in uh, in nature and where the, the 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 sky and the horizon and and then um, um, you know, thinking about uh, the ocean and, and things like this, um, where they, they, they have a, a, a place in our life. Um, it really sort of goes back to the birthright thing, um, because what, what my idea was about birthright was, was that, which is a little bit different from Stephen Killer, it's, it, it was that part of being human is, is, is um, sitting around a fire or, 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 or going to the beach and 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 being able to see that that uh, horizon, which you know, stretches out forever, the way the the sky touches the water, um, the way the water touches the, the the sand, that 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 sort of edge, um, and our relationship with the trees and the plants and and all of this kind of stuff is what makes us human. If if you take a person and you put them in a space capsule, and they're out there in space. Um, I think you can very easily say that's not the human experience. That's not who we are. You can't separate us from this from this earth. And and um, part of being born and going through the whole process of life and then dying is is, is we're we're connected. We're we're connected with with all of this stuff out here. And it's got to be valued. Start value, You know, we we got to start valuing what's what's what we're part of. Um, so, so th that better world would would be that, you know, it would be that, um, and 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 um, to, to to I guess this is ending it on sort of a hippie note, but you know, there are people around that where you can see this starting to happen in in, in places all around the world, uh, where where people are of uh, you know valuing um, the earth and and the nature um, and and the animals. And it's coming out in the most extraordinary ways. Um, and you can, and I, I, sometimes I see these kids that call them kids, but they're in their 20s, you know, 20s and 30s. <laughs> the kids, uh, like, you know, my daughter's age. And um, uh, they are engaging. 
with the earth in this way and they're seeing it this way and they're using that language and it's coming out in the music it's coming out in the art it's coming out in the culture so i really think that they're you know when things look bleak you you, you can you can get strength from a lot of that so the, there is there is good stuff happening that's 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 what i would say <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast.